Poliquin, President of the Royal Canadian Legion Branch Horror 6 here in Barry's Bay, Ontario. Today we have something very special for you. A show produced and performed by the Apiango Readers Theatre, a local group established to gently remind us, among other things, of our very unique Upper Ottawa Valley history. Our show is called Remember Me. That title is taken from a simple request found in a letter sent home to Barry's Bay from England during the Second World War. It was written by Private Philip P. Bernatsky, one of our very own. Phil's turn of phrase, hoping not to be forgotten by us while he was away at war, was expressed in careful, steady penmanship, all while learning how to operate a machine gun in the preparation for D-Day. And that phrase, remember me, can still be seen in his own impressive handwriting. Phil's letter is one of 28 letters you will hear today, all sent home to the Upper Ottawa Valley by local boys on active service during the Second World War. Curiously, most were addressed to the old caretaker of the Barry's Bay Post Office, not the postmaster, but the janitor, a man like no other, Tommy Skuse. If you look outside our Legion Hall, you will see on a large painted sign Phil Bernaski's name, along with other names, Chippier, Sobolski, Heads, Lukasavich, Micah, Popke, and Skuse. They were all, as we like to say around here, bread and buttered in the upper Ottawa Valley. And like Phil Bernatsky, they all went off to war. Some to the First World War, some to the Second. Sadly, none of those boys named on the sign ever saw the upper Ottawa Valley again. In Phil Bernatsky's case, he remains buried in France, killed on August 11, 1944, defending the democratic values we sometimes take for granted. He was only 35, but definitely he remains one of us. So on this Remembrance Day from our Barry's Bay Legion, dedicated to serving our veterans from Palmer Rapids to Cumbermere, Killaloo to Whitney, I am here, along with everybody, to remind you, Private Philip P. Bernatsky, we will not forget you, nor will we forget all those others who never came home nor gladly those hundreds who did manage to get back to their beloved Upper Ottawa Valley. We will not let you be forgotten, but neither will we remember you with sadness or despair. If you listen carefully to the words of Phil Bernatsky, as well as other local veterans during the Second World War, you will know the reason why. How do I put this? They all sound so very much like those happy-go-lucky young men we all know from around here. So I want you to remember this. We're not here to mourn Phil Bernatsky or his brethren. We are gathered here to celebrate his vitality and that of all of our Upper Ottawa Valley veterans, those long gone, those still with us. Their very own war letters ask us to do as much. We cannot, we will not forget their sacrifice, but we will not, cannot forget the sound of their laughter the look on their faces, or how they all wrote in their unique Upper Ottawa Valley way. Those words, composed in a quiet corner preparing for war, or in Europe on the battlefront, make them sound so much like us. Of course, none of these letters from the Second World War would exist if it were not for three local veterans of the First World War. The main instigator was Tommy Skuse, the caretaker extraordinaire of the Barry's Bay Post Office, who fought in the First World War with the Black Watch 
and who had lost a brother and a cousin to that war. And then there was Horace Landon, a very community-minded clerk down at Omanic Sawmill, and last but not least, Bill Johnson, our own town cop back in 1939, who walked softly but carried a big smile. Long before the Berries Bay Legion Hall was ever built, Tommy, Horace, and Bill organized something called the Upper Ottawa Valley Veterans Association. And for six years, they nickel and dimed everyone they met up and down the Apiongo line. Anybody who had a change purse or pocket change was conjoled into donating to their association's coffers, no matter if they only had a penny or two. Why? So the Upper Ottawa Valley Veterans Association could send sweet caps over to our boys in England, North Africa, Sicily, Italy, the Mideast, Western Europe, the Pacific, or wherever else in Hell's Half Acre the local lads might be sent. Now a lot of you may not know about sweet caps. In a word, they are cigarettes, more properly, sweet caparels. You know, those vile carcinogens that people unwittingly used when they could not find a good tasty pencil to chew on. Well, back in 1939, when no one had heard that vile word carcinogen, Tommy, Horace, and Bill used all the money they collected to buy hundreds of thousands of sweet caps. At the beginning, $43 of donations got them a month's supply, or roughly 13,000 cigarettes. That amount meant that they could make up to over 40 individual parcels of sweet caps, each parcel having 300 cigarettes or in some cases, loose tobacco for the fellows who had a pipe or preferred to roll their own. I know, I know, it's not exactly up there with selling poppies or what the Legion does today, say, for the homeless vets. But hey, it was 1939. It was war. And Tommy knew the local boys loved to smoke their sweet caps. Mind you, not all the time, only before, during, and after active duty. So, over the course of the Second World War, the Upper Ottawa Valley Veterans Association mailed countless parcels of sweet caps overseas. They went to every Upper Ottawa Valley soldier, sailor, or airman's regimental headquarters, then on to each fellow's operational unit, very often on the move. Somehow, those sweet caps magically got to him in whatever foxhole he happened to be hunkered down in at the time. The lucky ones got a parcel every four weeks but sometimes it could take four months to get one properly delivered, and sometimes those sweet caps, thanks to the enemy action, were blown to smithereens in the North Atlantic. When parcels did arrive, they always included a postcard that could be sent back to Tommy Skuse, if only to let someone know that their lad was still alive and kicking. Remember, this was wartime, and once a local boy left for war, it was rare, thanks to military censorship, that anyone back home even knew if their boys were still alive. So Tommy Skuse's postcards became an ingenious way for families and friends to keep track of their loved ones. After the Second World War, Tommy also thought that it might not be a bad idea to save those postcards, all scribbled over with hastily composed personal messages, as well as any additional letter sent back. Only he never did bother to tell anyone about his planned archive. So shortly after the war ended, Tommy put everything into a wooden box, once used for blasting caps, and hid it at the far end of his old garage where he parked his car until he passed away in the late 1970s. A few years ago, 
two of Tommy's grandchildren, Holly and Doug Skuse, both here with us today, were tearing down that old garage and stumbled on that old wooden box with the faded markings indicating blasting caps. To their considerable relief, they discovered no blasting caps. Rather, they found 304 postcards and nearly four dozen letters, all written during the Second World War. It's now time to hear some of those letters. But first, let's turn back the clock, say 75 years, and see if we can hear that young lilting sound of Phil Bernatsky and his fellow Upper Ottawa Valley boys. January the 2nd, 1942, England. Dear friends, taking the pleasure to let you know that I received a very great gift of 300 sweet capital cigarettes on New Year's Day. Thanks a million. Your gifts are very much appreciated. And they keep the spirits up to know that the folks back home still remember me. Thanks again, and a happy new year to the many members of the veterans in the association. Sincerely yours, Private Phil P. Brinaski, 1st Battalion, Cameron Highlanders of Ottawa, Machine Gun Unit. 12 January 1942, England. Dear Tommy, I wrote the vets three weeks ago thanking them for the smokes at Christmas. So thought I would send this card now, so you will be sure to get acknowledgement for them. I sure enjoyed them, as they taste so good over here. I am well and hope you are all fine at home. I haven't seen any of the boys for ages, but hear from most of them quite regular. I was up to see Reg Hudson on my last leave, and I expect he will come to England for his leave so I can meet him some weekend in London. Well, Tommy, I'll close for now, and thanks again for the smokes. Regards to all, Lance Corporal Donald W.R. Noonan, Number 2 Detachment, Royal Canadian Ordnance Corps, Canadian Military Transport Depot. January 31st, 1942, England. Dear Tommy, well, I guess it's high time I got busy and wrote you a few lines, as I promised about a month ago. My intentions were genuine at the time, but the time seems to go like hell this last while back, and one thing leads to another. The result is I'm always behind with my correspondence, so pardon me for being late. But remember the saying, better late than never. As I mentioned on the card, I received your 300 cigarettes, and they came in pretty handy, I might say. I did pretty well for smokes at Christmas time, but you know how it is, they always seem to go. I had a seven-day leave coming up, so I put them away for the occasion, and they were mighty handy, as the smoking situation over here is still bad, although not as bad as a year ago. It's hard to buy a good cigarette here. There seem to be a lot of tenors, weights, and woodies, but they don't agree with me. So thanks again for them, Tom, and I hope you'll be able to continue the good work. I've just come back off my leave. I didn't go very far this time, only as far as London as I had no warrant. Anyway, it's a bad time of year here, and a fellow can have just as good a time in London town as anywhere else. And I had a swell time. I had around eight pounds to work on, so I got along very well. There are a number of service clubs open to us in London, and it doesn't cost so much for a room, etc. I stayed at a place operated by the YMCA off Earls Court Road, and it only cost two and six per night for bed and breakfast. And talk about a swell place, too. It was a private hotel in peacetime, and I had a Louis XIV bed. I slept about 10 hours a day. The weather was rotten. 
We had a four-inch snowfall the day before I left, and then it rained for the next six days. So it was wet outside, and I made it wet inside. I don't seem to get a kick out of going to London anymore. think I will try somewhere else the next time. I've been up as far as our Aberdeen, and I would rather have Scotland any day. Better whiskey and better beer than around these parts. <laughs> and by the way, the drinks here are awful, and not much chance of improvement. There's a lot of swamp whiskey being sold in the pubs. It costs a shilling a single, a pint of ale is worth anywhere from 7 pence to 11 pence, and there's no kick in it. The best buy here now is Burton on Draft, worth 11 pence a pint. I hear that the price of Catawaba has gone up in Canada. <laughs> well, I've laid off the goof over here, you know. And that 999 brand you buy there for about a buck? Well, it's worth six shillings and six pence per crock here, and it makes you just as sick, too. <laughs> well, Tom, how goes the battle? I understand you've lost Bill Johnston. I don't suppose it will make a hell of a lot of a diff to me where he is, but I was kind of sorry to hear that he'd been moved, as he wasn't such a bad scout at that. He had his faults, the same as the rest of us, but he wasn't a bad policeman. Has he been replaced yet? I've met a few of the boys from the Bay, but not lately. I saw Keith Billings and Wilfred Murray last fall, and they're both fine. Keith is close to us here. I've been going to call him up on the phone a lot of times, but don't seem to get down to it. Anyway, I know he's well and getting on fine. There must be quite a number of boys here now. Phil Bernatsky, Wendy Burkhead, and Felix Mask are attached to the 3rd Division. I haven't seen them for quite a while. It's hard to get in touch as their units are generally on the move, not like the signals. We've moved on since I arrived, and it's plenty for me. I don't relish those moves too much. We're not in as good a locality as we were last summer, but it may pick up when the fine weather comes along. I haven't seen Donald Noonan for a long time now. I heard that he'd been transferred to ordinance. Don't know how true it is, and I haven't seen Reg Hudson either. I also understand that Phil Bernatsky has got himself married up, and Bobo Sabolsky is supposed to be married. Must be the swamp whiskey doing its work. <laughs> I can't see it myself. I have enough trouble with myself without adding more. And after all, what's the use in buying the cow if you can get your milk for free? <laughs> I don't mind being here so much now. I had quite a time getting used to the different things here at first. The English money, for instance. I had a hell of a time getting used to the pennies and half pennies, etc., but don't mind it now. But I don't think I'll ever forget the two-bit and four-bit pieces you use at home, and I think they're a lot handier to have around. It seems to me the English money doesn't ever get to first base. Once you crack a pound note, it's gone to the wind. We'll soon have a year and a half here, and it doesn't seem that long, but it must be so, as it seems like a long time when I think back prior to September 1939. I'll soon be a veteran, and I haven't fired a shot at a Nazi yet. Quite a war. I'm at my old trade, pounding brass, and like the work okay, although operating in the army compared to commercial work would be similar to an airplane and a Model T. It's so damn slow. I'm getting an extra two bits a day trades pay, which helps immensely, especially around leave time. I should be getting 50 cents per extra, but wasn't good enough in some of their foolish exams. Something we never use. But that's the army for you, as screwy as ever. Guess they may learn someday, I hope. Are you still looking after the caretaking of the post office? It will make a difference there during the summer now that the old mill is torn down. I won't know the place when I get back. 
paved roads, etc. Some class to you fellas. How's my old friend Wes Blaney? If you ever see him, give him my address and tell him to write. I understand he's in the forces at Ottawa. I'd like to hear from him. I don't know what his address is, or I would write to him. Is old Mort Finlayson still kicking around as usual? He must be getting up in years by now. I heard you lost Doc Sadler some time ago. I had a letter from Harry Taylor since he moved to Brockville. Louis Strack got himself into a jam last fall. Wonder how his case came out. I see by the newspapers here that Canada is going to have a plebiscite on conscription. How do you think it's going to go? No doubt we'll go as far as we're concerned. There are a lot of guys fed up the way it's going, including myself. It will be a toss-up anyway. There's no doubt but the people there will know there's a war on before it's over. There are few still back there that I would like to see don a uniform for a change. Well, Tom, I guess I've come to the end of all the gossip I can think of just now. I could tell you a lot more if I were talking things over, but we'll have to wait till I get back, and maybe we'll have to take a month off to do so. So here's hoping you get this letter, and if you ever get time, drop us a line. It will be appreciated. Give my best to all in town. Hope the family is getting on well, and also wishing you all a happy new year. I'm kind of late. I may get there for the next one, but I think I'm a little premature in my thoughts. At least it doesn't cost anything to think in the army. Although we don't get paid for thinking anymore, just getting paid for doing as we're told. S.O.S. I'm writing this in the office. It's 3 o'clock p.m. and business is slack, so I thought I would do a good deed. Well, so long, old man. Have a few good drinks on me and write sometime. Thanks again for the smokes. Carry on Canada. Your friend, Signalman Max Skibo, number two operating section, 1st Canadian Signals Corps. February 5th, 1942, England. Dear Thomas, I received the great gift of 300 sweet caps the other day, and I'm very thankful for your kind thoughts in sending them so regularly. They mean so much to me, and I sure appreciate the kind thoughts of all your veterans. So thanks a million. Hope that I shall be remembered in future. Thanks again. I remain respectfully yours, Private Phil P. Bernaski, 1st Battalion, Cameron Highlanders of Ottawa, Machine Gun Unit. February 11th, 1942. Somewhere in Scotland. Dear friend, received your cigarettes, and thank you a million for doing this favor for me. They came just in time, as I had run out of smokes. When I got them, it helped to bring life and joy. I must tell you about my life here in Scotland. To begin with, we're having wonderful weather, very little snow. I'm working in the mill yard, and at other times I'm hauling lumber. We take it four miles from camp to a little station. One truck load is enough for their box cars here. On Saturday, we take ourselves out to drill. Sunday is a very long day, for there's no place to go. But one can always find something to do. This side of the ocean is very lovely, but I wouldn't trade it for dear old Canada. One day of the week, they give us a picture show. How's Barry's Bay? Still lively? Tonight, I'd like to be there with my old friends but I sure appreciate your kindness in sending me those cigarettes. I hope someday soon to be back to give you a good drink of Scotch whiskey. Now I'll bring this to a close, wishing you all good luck and health. Your friend, Private Wilford L. LaHaye, Canadian Forestry Corps. February 20th, 1942. Dear Tom, 
Just have a note of appreciation for the past cigarettes that the veterans sent. They are always welcome. I heard rumours that the government was going to cancel cigarette shipments in the near future, but I'm hoping that it remains as a rumour. I certainly don't know what we will do without them. There is still a shortage over here and the quality of what they have hasn't got any better. I presume that you know what they are like. Thanking you again, I remain Gunner Wilfred Murray, 7th Anti-Tank Regiment, 15th Battery, Royal Canadian Artillery. June 30th, 1942, Scotland. Dear Tom, just a line tonight to say that I received your very welcome gift of cigarettes from the Veterans Club, and you can thank them very much, as they really come in damn handy. I was down to my last 200, so, <laughs> so I have enough to go on leave now. I'm going to Edinburgh, and it really is only another two weeks, thank God. Why don't you drop a line sometime? Is Lawrence MacDonald still at the bay, or has he moved? You should be over here to go on a few of these parties every weekend. I can't get out during the week, but really pay up for it on Saturday and Sunday. <laughs> I'm not doing too bad over here. I'm drawing $2.20 a day now, and maybe a little more later on, I hope. Do you still go on those sprees like we used to do before? I haven't had a sober weekend over here yet since I'm here. <laughs> And it's over six months now. <laughs> I had one hell of a time crossing. The only thing I could keep was beer. And that, you could only get a couple of mugs of it at a time. Well, Tom, I really must conclude. Give my regards to everybody that I know, thanking the Veterans Club again ever so much for the cigarettes. I remain, as ever, Sergeant Angus S. Etmansky, number two company, Canadian Forestry Corps. P.S. Excuse the scribbling as I really had a bum pen. <laughs> August 3rd, 1942, England. Upper Ottawa Valley Veterans. Hello, Tommy, and the rest of the old boys of the association. I received your very great gift of cigarettes the other day. Thanks a million. For they sure do mean a lot to us boys here in old England. They are very hard to obtain in our canteens, and they are not half as good. Ambrose Burkhead and Felix Mask are fine. I see them quite often. We are doing some hard training now, so when we meet up with the Huns, we will be as hard as nails on them. We got out of a lot of new maneuvers now, which is very interesting. Must say cheerio now and hope that we soon see ourselves again. Give my regards to the rest of the boys, and thanks a lot for the smokes, and keep them coming. Private Phil P. Bernaski, 1st Battalion, Cameron Highlanders of Ottawa, machine gun unit. August 28th, 1942. To Secretary, Upper Ottawa Valley Veterans Association, dear sir, received your cigarettes of July the 20th and assure you that they are appreciated a great deal. They took a roundabout way of getting here, which matters none since they did finally get here, which is more important. Thanking you, I remain, sincerely, Gunner Wilfred C. Murray, 7th Anti-Tank Regiment, 15th Battery, Royal Canadian Artillery. October 5th, 1942, in the field. Hello, Tommy. I got your gift of cigarettes, for which I am very thankful. We don't often get Canadian cigarettes, but when we do, we certainly appreciate them. 
I am sorry I couldn't write you sooner as we were on scene. I am a dispatch rider over here and I like the work fairly well. We do quite a bit of riding, but we don't mind that because we have good motorbikes and roads. We sometimes go to Canadian military headquarters in London on special dispatch. That's the cheese of all runs. The picture I'm sending you in this letter is of me walking out to the dispatch riders park. The YMCA is supplying us with film cameras and even the means to develop them ourselves. I like photography and we are certainly taking it up in our spare time. I met Orville Thompson over here and he is the very same as ever. He is a sergeant and is in the third division. I haven't seen many of the other boys. It seems funny when I get around so much. I was on a seven-day leave in Newcastle and I had a very nice time. The people in the north part of England seem to be nicer than the soldiers in the south. The weather over here is not very good. It rains nearly every day and we have quite a bit of fog. We are living in round tin huts and they look very cold for the winter. The worst part about it, the walls are full of bullet holes. When we took the huts over from the first division, they said we would have very good ventilation. <laughs> first division is quite active in such things, especially when they get drunk. The Dieppe raid was quite a thing. I just happened to have a run to one of the field ambulances on the coast. We hadn't been told anything and I was so surprised to hear all the booming and roaring of planes. Then when the news came at 12 o'clock we said, let's get ready. We may have to go soon. We could hardly stay still until our colonel told us what it was all about. The second division sure put up a good show. The Jerry seldom come over now. A couple came over a few days ago and bombed a school. That's the part that gets us sore. I was just wondering how Barry's Bay is now with the mill taken away. I suppose it's quite quiet now. I heard about Stanley Sobalski. Poor fellow. Accidents do happen. Well, I think that's all I know, so I'll have to sign off and say, if you would care to correspond, I would be very glad, as I don't get very much mail. Yours sincerely, Sigmund Kuchkowski. November 1st, 1942. Overseas. Hello, Tommy. Received 300 smokes from you today, and believe me, that's about the best gift I could get right now. I haven't had any cigarettes for quite a while, and you know what I'm like without them. The mail service has been very poor lately, and nearly all the boys have been short. But things are starting to look up again, as we're getting a lot of mail in now. How are things going with you these days? And how are you looking after all my girls back there, especially the young blonde ones? <laughs> I suppose you are getting all set for your annual hunt about now, so hope you get a good big buck, and don't let Jim Sullivan beat you to it. <laughs> I've been in London several times, and found it a bit of a bigger place than the old hometown. <laughs> but I managed to get around where I wanted to go, and, of course, visited our club, and met Felix Mask there on one of my visits, but didn't get talking to him for long as we both had a short time to stay. But we made the best of our time. Visited Walter at Mansky on my first leave here, but I didn't get to see Patty, but intend to visit him on my next leave. I've been lucky so far here as I've had a course on electrical equipment and have had a promotion to boot. Miss Labatt's beer back in Canada, but hope you boys have the odd one to help it from getting too old and getting skunky. <laughs> <laughs> My 
must close for now, as news is very scarce. So keep an eye on my best girl till I get back, which I hope will be soon. Best of everything, cheerio. Corporal Adam J. Beanish, 400 Squad, Royal Canadian Air Force. December 31st, England. Dear Tom, very many thanks for the gift of cigarettes just received. I really appreciate the work of all your veterans in keeping the cigarettes coming. They sure do mean a lot. So thanks a million. Please note my address has been changed. Once again, thanks a lot and Happy New Year. Private Phil P. Banaski, 1st Battalion, Cameron Highlanders of Ottawa, Machine Gun Unit. January 3rd, 1943. Dear Tom, well, here we are into another year, but I think I can say that we're starting to see the light, but it's going to take a long time yet. I received your gift of 300 cigarettes last week and also received one a couple of months ago, but I'm not sure whether I wrote you and thanked you for them or not. However, if I did not, excuse me, and here is thanks a million for both of them. I must say the gang are doing okay as your cigarette parcels have been regular ever since I came over here. There must be quite a bunch of us to keep in smokes now, and I guess we're scattered all over England as I haven't met anyone for a long time. How are things going, old man, and how did you spend Christmas? As for myself, it was okay, taking all into consideration. I got quite a glow on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, but it was mostly beer as the liquor was kind of scarce. Anyway, I had my share of it. I've just read about the rear-end collision on the CP rail at Almont Christmas Day. Quite a mess. Somebody slipped up. I'm still at the holding unit and no prospects of a change. I have a C2 category now. My old ticker gets quite tired often. I wish I could get out of it and get back with the CNR again as business would be good now. I see you've lost Basil Billings. It was quite a shock to me, and at the same time, I expected it any time. It's too bad, as he was a good guy, and no doubt he's missed. I read the clipping, and I see he had a nice funeral. Well, Tom, there's not too much to write about except the weather, and it's rotten, so I'll come to a finale. And here's wishing you and all the folks, etc., a happy new year. Maybe another year will bring change to a lot of things. I hope so, anyway. Thanks a million for the smokes. And hope you'll be able to carry on. Au revoir and write us sometime. All the best, Signalman Max Skibo, 1st Canadian Signals Regiment. January 18th, 1943, England. Hello, Tommy. Must drop your line since you are at the head of the Veterans Association, which I have received two lots of cigarettes from, which I also appreciate very much and offer my sincerest thanks for your kind thoughts and generosity. The first lot I received in November and which I sent you a postcard, but I hardly think you got it, as there was some mail lost through enemy action. Well, Tommy must say this is a wonderful country, as so far we haven't got no snow to shovel away, and some days are fairly warm. Only trouble about the winter here is that it gets misty and we can't fly. In a way, there got to be some disadvantages. As if not, most of us Canadians would stay here, ha ha, after the war. And what would Canada do without us, ha ha? Or maybe I should say the Barris Bay Beverage Room, ha ha. <laughs> I guess it's quite empty at night nowadays. So far, Tommy, I haven't seen all the lads from home here. Only ones I saw was Alfie, my brother, Ambrose Chipier, Felix Mask and Walter Entmansky. But I guess someday we'll run into the others. 
Oh yes, I'm getting along real fine as a flight engineer. Like it a lot better than being in the ground crew and have or am in a good crew. We have one Australian and an English chap and the rest are Canadians. Well, Tommy, must say cheerio, as I can't think of no more. With best regards, Joe. It's on with our show, Remember Me. We have 14 more letters for you, written by our far-flung fellows from the upper Ottawa Valley. A special note, the last few letters you'll hear today include two graciously provided by the Burkat family. Letters not sent to Tommy Skews, including one very last letter sent to someone near and dear to Ambrose Burkat's young heart. February 26, 1943. Dear old pals, here I am trying to express my gratitude towards you veterans for sending me cigarettes, of which I am most thankful towards you men of the Veterans Association. This is 900 cigarettes I have received from you men, and I never could get around to writing. So, if you see my dad, as he will be able to explain my duties, and I am kept quite busy for the past six months. Well, Thomas, how is Constable Johnson getting along? I hope he is still as peppy as he used to be, as we sure had one whale of a time together. And how is old Barry's Bay using you? I hope fine, as myself. Well, I can't really say anything as we can't expect to be used any better during this racket with Jerry. We are having dances every two weeks in our own recreation hall. It's one privilege you men didn't have when you were over here in the past war. Well, dear old pals, it's almost lights out, so I will have to bring my letter of thanks to every one of you men to a close. So best of luck, and regards to every one of you, Thanks a million for those cigs, as they sure were a godsend to me. Well, cheerio, and keep smiling. Loving pal, C.A. Alphonse Heron, Canadian Forestry Corps. April 23rd, 1943, England. Dear Tom, well, I decided I would do at least one good deed today, so here goes. I received your letter about two weeks ago while I was in the hospital, and also 300 cigarettes the day I was discharged. And if ever a bunch of smokes came in handy, it was that bunch. <laughs> As I was down to my last package. So here are the usual thank yous. Well, as I said before, I was in the hospital for 19 days. And the way I'm feeling the last couple of days, I think I'll be going back. I've had trouble with my old bread basket for about six months now. I had 14 x-rays taken, and they tell me that nothing has shown up on the plates. But I know there's something not right. My stomach is sick all the time, and I have steady pains there. They had me on a diet in the hospital, eggs and milk, and I felt a bit better. I guess all the goof I drank while in the bay is starting to show up. <laughs> it sure gets you down, though, when you, can't, when you eat a meal and then you have trouble after it. I feel like quitting eating sometimes. Well, let's see. What am I going to write about? Not a hell of a lot to say. I met a young kid at the holding unit that comes from the bay. His name is Kachkuski, Barney's son. Not the oldest one. I remember him going to school when I joined up back in 1939. 
He can't be more than 17, although he says he's 19. He's been here only about a month, and I can see in the way he talks that he doesn't like it. Who does? I have just about 20 months of it here, and I wish it was all over. Too much routine. It gets you down. And when you read the papers sometimes, I think we're good for another five years. I don't know what to think of it. It's the same old story. They would have to have a drink of tea in the middle of a conference. Oh well, I better not say too much. Anyway, the nice weather is here and we may get some action this summer. At least I hope so. I've been very lucky with my mail on the whole. I've lost some, I know. I received quite a few Ontario side smokes from the people at the Bay, besides what your association sends over and what Mrs. Itmansky sends. I guess I must have received about 2,400 cigarettes during the last year. And let me tell you, they are a treat. And they will be more so from now on. The new budget came out last week. The price of smokes here in Britain is nearly out of reach for the average soldier. 200 woodbines cost one and six, and 20 players are worth two. So if it wasn't for us getting our smokes from home, it would be just too bad when we only get 19 a month. So I hope you'll be able to carry on with the good work. As far as other essentials, there are a few things hard to get, and the quality of the stuff here is not so good. And here's a list of it. Soap, shaving cream, razor blades, toothbrushes, shoelaces. Soap is rationed here, one bar per week. Blades are hard to get. Very often you can only buy two at a time. I've only bought one pair of laces since I came here, and they were no good. So I sent home for some. A crock of good booze is hard to get, too. But I wouldn't expect you to send me one. (laughs) Beer over here is bad and dear. A drop of whiskey costs one in four, and about 25 a crock, I would guess. I'll have to quit drinking for a while. Prices for everything are terrible here, and the racketeers are like hair on a dog. (laughs) I hear that the old town has changed a lot. wonder what's going to happen when all the road work is done. I had a long letter from Bill Johnston since he moved to the south. I don't think he cared to leave the place. So a few of the local kids are getting married up. We'll wish them a bed of luck. I don't think I'm going to bother, as I'm getting too old now. And by the time I get back, I'll be eligible for the old age pension. (laughs) Oh, by the way, Tom, about reading matter. We get a lot of newspapers, but they're all Toronto or Montreal papers and mixed in with the Toronto or Montreal papers, a bunch from Western Canada. So I would really like a good old Ottawa journal. I've only seen two since I came over. Toronto finally won a Stanley Cup. (laughs) I received quite a jolt when I heard the last game on the radio last Sunday, as I'd read in the papers that Detroit had taken three straight from Toronto. I figured the jig was up. I was thinking of old Aunt Annie, Mrs. Skibo. Wonder if she took in the game. I expect to go on seven days' leave shortly. I figure on going to Aberdeen or Edinburgh again. I like it up that way, and I've never been there when the nice weather was on. I just received a cable today for three pounds, which helps a lot. Well, Tom, old boy, I started to scribble this at 5.30, and it's now 8.30. I'm writing this in the signals office between jobs. We get quite busy here sometimes. So I guess I will close for now. Here's hoping you get this sometime. Wish you all the best. Oh, if you see Pete at Mansky or any of his gang, tell them I get the occasional letter and receive the parcel, but no smokes for a long time. <laughs> They're probably following me around since I was in the hospital.
Right again, Tom. I'm always glad to hear from the boys. Regards to all. Cheerio. Signalman Max Skibo, number two operating section, 1st Canadian Corps, signals. April 28, 1943. Dear Tom, just after receiving your cigarettes, which I appreciate very much, they do mean an awful lot to me, and I sure look forward to receiving them. I also know that it means a lot of hard work for each and every one of you to keep the cigarettes coming. So, once again, thanks a million. And here's hoping that we shall all see each other very soon again. But we shall not return until we bring victory and peace back with us. So keep those cigarettes coming, and we will do our part. Yours, Private Phil Bernaski. August 15th, 1943, England. Dear Tom, just a short note to thank you for the parcel of cigarettes I received from the vets some time ago. I might say I was a little slow at acknowledging them, however. I received them while I was in the hospital... And I know I was going to be out in a few days, and I've let the whole thing dangle on now, and it's nearly two months since I received them. So thanks very much, old man, and hope you'll be able to keep up the good work. Well, things have changed a lot since I wrote you last, and I believe that the last letter I wrote you was while I was in the hospital. And this time they fixed me properly. I was reboarded, and they gave me a C2 this time, and you have an idea what that means. It means that I will not be going any further unless there's an invasion. I'm stuck at the holding unit for the duration. So far I don't mind, but I'm afraid it's going to be awful tiresome in time. Anyway, I'm not feeling any too good. They say I have a touch of high blood pressure and palpitations of the heart. I sure have something. There are times I feel like I was going to fall apart. Oh well, it won't be long till I'll be getting it lowered and my next move will be west, towards Canada. Anyway, I had nearly two years in the field and will be able to tell some of the guys that are coming over now what it's all about. I have a pretty good job here, so it could be worse. I'm sorry to hear that Basil Billings has gone west. I heard that he was in the hospital some time ago. We will all get our turn. How are things in the old town? I suppose the big dam at Bark Lake is pretty well finished. And I see in the papers that the people in Canada are really paying for things now. How much is a gallon of goof worth? I wouldn't mind having a crock of it now. Some of the stuff we get here they call whiskey is worse than some of that wine I drank at home. And the price is awful. A double whiskey is worth 58 cents. If you want to get drunk now, it takes about 30 or 40 shillings. I picked up an old Toronto Globe the other day, and I was reading the RCAF casualties, and I saw where Donald McRae is missing. I don't know whether he was in the Middle East or here. Anyway, I guess he's gone west. He had a commission, too. There are a few battles raging, and it appears that the Yanks and the Australians are taking the Japanese for a ride. It's a good job someone is doing something. I guess it won't be long till the army will get to go home. Publicity. It's near time, don't you think? Up to now, the Air Force is getting all the glory. I often wonder whether there's an army at all. I know it's a lot of crap, but it burns me up at times. I've gotten that way now, I guess. I don't give a damn what happens. Well, Tom, it's a swell evening, and I think I will go out for a beer tonight, so we'll shut this off. So here's hoping you get this sometime, and thanks for the smokes. Give my regards to all. I may be seeing you soon. I'm enclosing a slip with my new address. Regards, Skibo. September 4th, 1943. Dear Tom, many thanks for the sweet caps received last night. They couldn't have come at a better time. 
Reg Hudson received his commission yesterday, and it was a very nice ceremony. He was up to see me last night with the two pips up. Brother Ed is with the Canadian Eastern Forces and is doing well. Here's wishing luck in Italy. They did well in Sicily. I had a letter from him yesterday. Thanks again to all the vets. Sergeant Donald W.R. Noonan, Number 1 Sub Depot Military Transport Stores, 1st Canadian Base Ordnance Depot. Tuesday, September 14, 1943. Dear Mr. Skuse, Received your 300 cigarettes today, and believe me, Tom, they were sure welcome. I was really glad to get them, so thanks a million. The boys here are really hard up for smokes right now. They even go around picking up butts, or, if they see somebody with a cigarette, they wait around till there's about half an inch of it left, and then puff on it till it burns their fingers. One guy here has a can of leaf tobacco, and that's what I've been smoking this week. Well, how are you and Ethel and the boys getting along? I hope fine. I myself am getting along good so far, and always hoping that I'll get back home in one piece. I have met nearly all the boys from around home, including Ambrose, Wendy Burkett, Felix Mask, the Chippiers, and a lot more. I had nine days leave last month. I was away up to Dundee and back to Glasgow, and I spent the last three days in London. That London is quite a place, and talk about the people. Nearly every race in the world, I believe. I even saw an Arabian with quite a costume on. He had a long black robe, sandals on his feet, and a cigarette stuck in the end of a branch about a foot long. (laughs) I was so badly mixed up on those underground trains in London that I didn't know whether I was coming or going. I met up with quite a few nice women, which was right in my line. (laughs) I expect to go on leave next month, and I think I'll go to Manchester this time. I spent 14 pounds on the first one, but I'll not be so extravagant this time. I like it over here all right. They say it's awful dead around Barry's Bay. I hear from Eddie occasionally, and he seems to like it out here too. He's an awful far piece away from me. I suppose you know by now that I am in the Toronto Scottish. I'd like to tell you all about my trip over here, but you know the army. Well, Tom, I think I'll buzz off for this time as I still have to write to Mother. So don't forget to write sometime when not too busy. Cheerio and best of luck. As ever, Private Isidore M. Prince, 2nd Canadian Division, Special Branch. January 17, 1944, England. Dear Tom, thanks again to the vets for the 300 smokes received while I was away on leave. They sure came in handy for me when I got back. Remember me to all the vets and tell them how I appreciate all the smokes I have had sent to me since I came overseas. How are things in Barry's Bay? I guess it has changed a lot the past four years. I am getting along okay over here with no complaints. I seldom see any of the Barry's Bay boys anymore. I met Felix Mask while on leave and we spent a couple of days together in London. We had a real pea soup fog over the weekend. I got lost coming in Saturday night. You couldn't see ten feet ahead of you. Well, Tom, I'll close for now with best regards to all the vets at the bay. Lance Corporal Donald W.R. Noonan, Number 2 Detachment, Royal Canadian Ordnance Corps, Canadian Military Transport Depot. January 28, 1944, somewhere in Europe. Dear friends, 
Just a line to thank you for cigarettes received for Christmas. I appreciate all you do for me and the rest of our boys from Barry's Bay. I am sure we all understand that all of you vets do work hard to keep the cigarettes coming. So, Tommy, give all the members my best regards and thank them all for me. I do wish that it would not be long so that you may have some new and young members in the association. Thanks again and keep the cigarettes coming over. By the way, Tommy, please note the change in my address, for when you use the old address, it takes the cigarettes a month late longer to reach me. <laughs> Yours truly, Corporal Philip B. Benaski, 8th Canadian Light Brigade, Special Group, Cameron Highlanders of Ottawa Machine Gun Unit. January 25th, 1944, Scotland. Dear friend, just a few words to thank you for your gift of sweet caps, which I received today. They sure arrived at the right time, because I had nothing to smoke for days. The cigarettes from my home haven't arrived, so yours sure got to me in time. I was surprised to open and find they were packs of 50. Everything is going fine over here. I'm sure it's the same with you. I hope someday soon that everyone here and elsewhere will be back home for 1945. The way things are going these days on the fronts, I think it won't be too long until Germany drops her arms. It is very lovely weather here in England, but I don't like it. There's never any snow, but plenty of rain. Tommy, I have to close. Wishing you the best of health and luck. From a friend who shall always remember your kindness, goodbye and many thanks, your friend, Private Wilfred LaHaye, Canadian Forestry Corps. August 22nd, 1944, Angler, Ontario, Canada. Dear Tom, Received your letter a couple of weeks ago, and I've started to answer you about a half dozen times, but something always crops up that I have to leave it, so we'll try and finish it this morning. I'm enclosing a money order for $5 to help the boys out with smokes. It's the least I can do, and expect we'll be able to send more later. I was glad to have your letter, and I've been thinking of a couple of white-feathered boys around there, and I'm thinking that if and when the boys all come back, there will likely be a little fun. There's one guy in particular that I always hated, and my love for him has not got any better. I think you remember him. One time he got smart and refused to stand when God Save the King was played after a show. I'd like to see him out on a parade square with a full pack and the temperature about 104 degrees, and make him double up a few times to make it more interesting. Well, I see we're going to fall into some dough. I haven't followed it up very closely as I've been busy with blueberries. But the boys here tell me I should get about 1400 out of it. Well, as far as I'm concerned, I won't need it while I'm working with this outfit, but expect that I won't last long after this war folds up as I haven't any seniority. Of course, a fellow never knows. There are a lot of the old men overdue for a pension, and they are kept on on account of a shortage of manpower, so I might hang on for a little while longer. Anyway, whatever comes, I'm here first, but I guess we can't change that. I see where young Valdok is a POW. I saw where he was listed as missing some time ago. I heard seven different casualty messages going on the wire this morning to different places. This part of the country has been hit quite hard, and no doubt the whole country is going to be hit still harder. This is not over yet. Don't think the Germans are going to fold up as easy as they did in 1918, unless the people throw in the towel. Those bastards are fighting for an ideal and they're fanatics, so there's only one cure for a bunch like that, Mow them down. What's going on in the old burg these days? I see where you've had a lot of hot weather down there. 
It's been the other way up here. We had four degrees of frost on July 11th, and the same the other night. There hasn't been any hot weather up this way at all. Well, I guess I will close this off for this time. Drop us a line sometime, and have one on me when the opportunity presents itself. I will do the same here. Hope this reaches you okay, and maybe seeing you soon. Max. November 28, 1944, somewhere in Holland. To the Upper Ottawa Valley Veterans Association. Once again, I have become indebted to you for the gift of 300 cigarettes. To you men who spent the cold, wet months of 1914-18 over in the same part of the world, I need not tell you how valuable and important a small article like cigarettes can be. Having a great many isolated detachments, as I have, cigarettes are indeed important. Some of my lads are off by themselves on test points, etc., for long periods of time without the advantage of canteens and sometimes even mail. So on my visits to them, I endeavour to bring them along a few things, like cigarettes, chocolate bars, soap, etc. Believe me, it is friends like you who make this possible, and thereby help to cheer up our forgotten heroes when they are most browned off, especially when the weather conditions are not conducive to even-tempered minds. Therefore, it gives me great pleasure to send this note just saying thank you for myself and my boys. Also wishing each and every member of our association a very happy Christmas with an abundance of good fortune during the new year. I am yours most sincerely, Captain Leonard S. Ritzler, Chaplain, 1st Canadian Army Signals. December 2nd, 1944, near the German border. Dear Bridget and John, Received your letter a couple of days ago and was very glad to hear from you. Glad to hear that you're both well and getting along fine. I'm still alive, thank God, feeling fine and getting along okay. I'm listening to some good old-time music. It's making me kind of loathsome. Just imagine, I've not danced since Christmas of 1940, just about four years ago. I used to be crazy about dancing, so it's pretty hard to take. I'm going to have a lot to make up for when this war is over. We haven't much of an orchestra. All we have is a ukulele and a rusty old mouth organ. We captured the ukulele from the Germans during the Battle of Schelt Pocket. Oh yes, we have another piece in the orchestra. One of the boys just joined in with a table knife and spoon. He's keeping time by pounding a set of mess tins. In case you don't know what mess tins are, they're what we eat out of. It isn't a very elaborate orchestra. However, the music is nice to listen to. Well, it won't be long till Christmas now. Only 23 shopping days left. <laughs> We're celebrating our Christmas right now, although it's a little early. Our Christmas parcels are coming in now. I've already received eight parcels, and I've eaten more candy bars and cake than I would if at home. I guess this is about the only time that we will have a chance to celebrate, because more than likely, we will be up in the lines for Christmas. I'm out for a short rest at the moment. I spent four glorious days leave in the city of Ghent in Belgium. Boy, was that ever a relief to get away from it all. It was the first time we were out of the line since August. I sure enjoyed myself. I spent all the money I had saved up. Now I'm broke. Well, well, what's money to a soldier anyway? <laughs> a soldier's never happy until he has all his money spent. You talk about rain in this country? It started about the 1st of October, and it hasn't stopped raining yet. I'm so used to tramping around in mud that when I get out of it, I won't be happy. I never saw so much mud in my entire life. Well, I've just run out of news. 
The rum ration has come in. We're getting four days' rations all at once. Oh, yes, thank you very much for your card. Sorry, I have not got one to send you. The best I can do is send you my best wishes along with this letter. So here's wishing you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year with all the good luck in the world. Cheerio and goodbye. Love, Ambrose B. Burkett, Cameron Highlanders, 1st Canadian Machine Gun Unit. 14th of April, 1945, England. Dear friends, thanks a million for the 300 cigarettes received a few days ago. I certainly appreciate your thoughtfulness and kindness to the boys overseas. We will always know and feel that we are never forgotten by the folks at home. I visited MJ Murray last weekend in Essex. He's in the RAF and looks fine as I haven't seen him in over a year. The war looks good these days and I believe Joe Stalin, Eisenhower and Montgomery have made a squeeze play on old Adolf. Haven't seen Gordy Murray yet as he is on a course in the south. I visited his old camp at Borden but he had left for the south a week before. I was talking to Donald Noonan in Borden last Monday and he looked fine after five years over here. It was the first time I saw Donald since before he left Canada. He has his wife living close by, so he's all set. I believe he's only married about five months, he was telling me. Lorne Yakubuski is in the same camp, but I didn't get to see him, although Donald and Gordy used to see him a lot. I suppose Barry's Bay is pretty quiet these days with so many of the young crowd in the service. I believe Jack and Wilfred Murray will soon be due for a leave at home. Ronald moved up from Italy a month ago and is over in Belgium now, as I had a letter from him this week. He had over a year in Italy. He likes Belgium much better. Both folks will say au revoir for now and thank you again for the smokes, as they are like pennies from heaven in this country. All the best to my good friends in Barry's Bay. Sincerely, Jimmy Murray, Canadian Treasury Office. November 30th, 1945, England. Dear Ursula, Just thought I would drop you a line or two. Hope you won't mind me pestering you this way. I just have to do something because I'm bored right to the core. I know the true meaning of the word monotony now. I never dreamed that I could get so fed up. This waiting to go home is pretty tough on a person. It's almost too much for me to take. What am I grumbling for anyway? I'm sure this is the last thing you want to listen to. Well, we will soon be sailing for Canada and home. Our date for sailing has been set for the 6th of December, 1945. We should arrive in Ottawa on or before the 15th if nothing happens. I hardly think the date will be postponed. We'll be leaving from Liverpool on the Mauritania. We are slated to arrive in Halifax on the 10th. Boy, am I ever going to celebrate, and I think it's coming to me, don't you? I hope I will only know when to quit. We already know what we have to do when we arrive in Ottawa. From all accounts, they are planning a big reception for us, although none of us want it. We all want to go off on our own. Don't forget that we have a date for the first night I'm in Ottawa. Is that still on, or is it off? I've had two leaves in England while waiting on a boat. The first one I spent in Wales, and the second one I went to Northern and Southern Ireland. (laughs) They didn't want to let me go, but I told them that they couldn't keep a good Irishman like me from going to Ireland, (laughs) so they decided to let me go. Well, this is all I have for now. Hope this letter reaches you before I do. Love, Ambrose. 
11 Repatriation Depot, Sea Wing, Canadian Army, Overseas. P.S. Here's a little weak kiss. <laughs> well, that about brings us to the end of our show. We hope you enjoyed it. And for all of us here at the Royal Canadian Legion, Branch 406 in Barry's Bay, we hope you never forget the young local men who wrote those letters. Nor any of the other veterans mentioned. Nor any First World War veterans like Tommy Skuse, Horace Landon, or Bill Johnson, who still define in spades what it means to be community-minded. Which brings us to a small request. No, we don't want you to start smoking sweet caps. Send us a postcard or write us a long-winded letter like Max Skibo. But when you came in here today, you were given a handout with the names of well over 100 local veterans who served in the Second World War. Family names that many of you will recognize and some you won't. Still, take a look, especially at the ranks, regiments, and serial numbers attached to most of those names. That's very useful information if you ever want to research their individual war histories at the National Archives. Our free list also includes other local veterans who served between 1939 and 1945, but for whom we have no letters or postcards in the Skewser Burkett collections. Now our simple request. Won't you take a moment to look at that list and ask around about them? Try to get to know something more about their lives. Try also, if possible, to find out if they wrote anything you haven't heard here today. Letters, diaries, journals, perhaps a war memoir. We're also especially interested in finding anything written by women who served in wartime, or letters by mothers, sisters, or even girlfriends, and sent to their fellas overseas during wartime. We'd love to find one from Adam Beanish's best blonde girl, whoever she was. As Holly and Doug Skews can attest, there's no telling what you might find at the back of some old garage, rooting through basement boxes, or up in an attic hidden in a dusty drawer. We really do believe that with your help, we could be remembering a whole lot of new me's this time next year using letters just waiting to be found. So take a look around and let us know what you find. Our local history will be richer for your effort. Remember Me is an Apiongo Readers Theatre production. It was performed by Karen Filipowski, Francis Mawson, Mark Wormke, Daniel Paul, Roger Paul, and Lois LaSalle. It was produced by Barry Conway. For the Royal Canadian Legion Branch 406, I am Heather Poliquin. Thanks a million. <laughs>